Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show, a podcast devoted to helping you take your message, your business, and your life to the next level. This, my friends, is episode number 502, and I am your host, Cliff Ravenscraft, the podcast answer man. And in this week's episode, I got a few things I prepared for you ahead of time. We're going to start things off by talking about a podcasting conference, a brand new one coming on the scene that I'm going to be keeping a close eye on. We'll talk a little bit about that conference here at the beginning of the show. After that, I'm going to talk about how I'm going back to using Twitter and how I'm using it. So if you're into social media for building relationships and and building your online brand, I'll be talking about how I'm going back and, and including the use of Twitter once again. Also, I'm going to share some updates about things that I'm working on in my own business here. Of course, I spent the entire episode last week talking about that, but I've got some other things I've been working on that I didn't cover last week. And then we'll wrap things up in this episode with a very special personal plug of the week. This week, I'm actually going to be sharing 10 minutes of episode 9 from Kay Kopit's podcast. Now, Kay Kopit is somebody you may have heard me talking a lot about lately, especially if you've been following some of my Facebook uh, live streams. But even here in this podcast, I've been uh, mentioning Kay's name. And if you're not familiar with who she is, then just stick around until the end of this episode. You'll definitely know by then. But the first thing I want to talk about is this brand new podcasting conference and it's called PodCon. Now, I first heard about this from my friend Pat Flynn, and he told me that this was, I think, from the makers of VidCon, and VidCon is a very popular conference uh, that I've heard a lot about over the years for vloggers, and not just vloggers, but it seems to be one of those conferences, from what I understand, is where it's not just the content creators, but it's also the fans of those content creators that come to VidCon. I could be completely wrong. I'm, I have never been to a VidCon, although, you know, with PodCon now coming on the scene, I might just be interested in checking it out, but I think it kind of conflicts this summer with the dates of a special conference that my friend Ray Edwards is doing, and I do have plans on going to Nashville to see his live event. But anyway, VidCon is an established vlogging conference, and so much so, it's grown so large that they've gone international. So they have the original uh, VidCon, which is they call now VidCon US, but I believe they're also going to be doing one in Australia, and they'll also be doing one in the Netherlands, in Amsterdam. So VidCon is growing like wildfire. It's massively popular. I know that my friend Tim Schmoyer goes to VidCon, has said wonderful things about it. I've heard lots of other people talk about VidCon. But now, the I believe it's the creators of VidCon are looking to launch something called PodCon. And they have a Indiegogo campaign over... Uh, well, I'll tell you what, I created a short link that'll get you there a lot easier. You can just go to podcastanswerman.com slash podcon. Again, that's podcastanswerman.com slash P-O-D-C-O-N. And they're looking to host this on December 9th and 10th in Seattle, Washington. Now, I've looked here and on their Indiegogo campaign, they've set a flexible goal for $300,000 in funding. And right now, there are four days left in this campaign. Now, so far, they've uh, generated or raised 
$111,000 from 1,235 backers. Now, with this thing called a flexible goal, which I've, this is the first time I've ever seen this on a Kickstarter campaign or an Indiegogo campaign, but this flexible goal simply means that they, your credit card will be charged even if they do not reach the the stated goal of 300,000. So, for example, the 1,235 backers, it doesn't look like they're gonna raise the full 300,000, but still, with $101,000, I'm sure they can actually pull off at least the start of a PodCon. And because those people have pledged towards a flexible goal, when this campaign ends, the, the they will have that $111,000 minus whatever, I guess, percentage that Indiegogo keeps. I imagine they keep something. But anyway, I'm going to play for you real quickly the audio from the little sales pitch video that they did. Here, here's what they had to say. I'm Hank Green. I'm Joseph Fink. I'm Travis McElroy. And we want to make an event for people who love podcasts in Seattle, Washington, December 9th and 10th of 2017. As you might expect, we are all very into this art form, and we'll be joined at this event by the creators and producers of some of our favorite podcasts, who are hopefully some of yours as well. We'll be adding a bunch more as the event gets closer, and also as we raise money through this crowdfunding thing. We're doing an Indiegogo campaign because it's very hard to know how to plan an event until you know how many people are going to come. And since there aren't many events like this, it's not easy to plan. There's a lot of fun stuff that we would like to do that costs quite a bit of money. And I have experience in running events that cost more than they make, which is fun, but not super sustainable. As we raise more money, we'll be able to invite more guests. And we'll put more stuff in your swag bags, if you choose to get a swag bag. That's another thing about crowdfunding. This way, we can have a bunch of different levels so people can support us with the amount of money they have. You can get all the audio from the event even if you're not able to attend in person. You can also sponsor a scholarship for someone else, helping out a local Seattleite who otherwise couldn't afford to come to this event. Tickets will be $90 at the base level during the campaign. There'll be more than that afterwards. This will let us take care of our guests, provide great AV, and rent part of the wonderful and beautiful Washington State Convention Center. But if you pay extra, you'll get extra, like potentially a thumb drive loaded with a few exclusive goodies as well as a curated selection of some of our absolute favorite podcasts that have ever been produced. And if you're able to help even more, there are a number of high-dollar perks we've got for you to check out. We just want to celebrate this fairly new and really interesting culture with live podcasts, discussions, performances, and some surprise weirdnesses. This is going to be real fun, and we really hope you can be there. All right, so there you go. PodCon, head over to podcastanswerman.com slash PodCon if you want to learn more about this event. Again, in December, I looked real quickly and so far they have 489 people who have pledged that will actually be virtually attending. They call it the remote attendance, is which is basically the same as all the other conferences that you've been a part of that has a virtual ticket where a couple weeks after the event, they send you the recordings. So about 489 people have the virtual pass, if you will. And so far, 550 people have purchased at a level uh, that are donated at a level that will get them a conference admission ticket. So about 550 people. Now, many of you may know this is how podcast movement got started. They did a Kickstarter campaign, I believe. And so they they did crowdfunding, and that worked extremely well in getting 
podcast movement off the ground. And podcast movement is a conference that I've been to every single year since they've launched it. And it is a great event for podcasters to attend. Um, and I, of course, I do plan on being there. I will be speaking in Anaheim uh, at Podcast Movement. That's at podcastanswerman.com slash podcast movement, by the way. And when is that? I'm trying to look real quickly here on my calendar. Podcast Movement is, uh, it is August 23rd through the 25th in Anaheim. So again, podcastanswerman.com slash podcast movement. Again, I will be speaking at Podcast Movement. I don't I don't know how I feel about PodCon. I mean, it's, it's I don't have anything against it. Again, I don't know anything more than what I said about VidCon. I don't even know if what I told you about VidCon is accurate. I'm going to go talk to my friend um, Tim Schmoyer, get some more details about VidCon. And who knows, maybe I will eventually get some more details about PodCon. It does look like this is going to happen. The dates, December 9th and 10th, uh, it's kind of short notice for this to just be popping up. I usually plan my calendar well in advance of a year, and I have some things scheduled around December 9th and 10th, and so I'm, I am I could potentially move things, but I don't know that I want to for for the it, it depends on it on, on what's going on. But anyway, so I don't know that I'll attend this first event, but part of me wants to check it out and see how this thing goes and 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 how you know who's there. It seems like this is going to attract a very different crowd than other podcasting, social media, blogging conferences. Uh, they're talking about doing live podcasting and and uh, performances, and so. You know, I think they're talking. Anyway, it, it, I don't know. I, I know very little about it. I wanted to just mention what I did know about the event to you guys so that you were in the know as well. So podcastanswerman.com slash podcon if you want more information about it. All right. The next thing I wanted to share with you is that I have been doing some Twittering lately. Now, I started using Twitter before Twitter was cool. I I began my account in February 2007, and for the first several years, I loved Twitter more than anything else. It was my favorite social media platform. And it took years and years and years for Facebook to kind of take over that number one position as far as where I enjoy interacting uh, the most, engaging with other people the most, and, and, and publishing content the most as far as in a social media uh, kind of way. So for me today, Facebook is still my number one, and Instagram had become number two, replacing Snapchat as number two. I don't use Snapchat as all, at all anymore. I shared that several episodes ago. I mean, it was a couple months ago now. But I, I've given up on Snapchat, and, and I use Instagram stories for what I used to use Snapchat for. But I, over this past week and a half, maybe two weeks now, I have actually got to the place where I'm back to using Twitter. And it has a lot to do with my friend Chris Brogan. Chris was on Twitter. I was just browsing. I'd always checked in on on Twitter every now and then. And Chris had this like a string of 
13 or 14 tweets in a row where he shared a thought and it was just like one tweet after i mean he used 140 characters and he needed to say more and so he kept talking and talking and talking with multiple tweets spanned over the course of a very short period of time and of course with twitter you you know you can actually read them all in the order that they're there and i did that and i'm like wow you know that was that was enjoyable to hear chris's stream of thought and i got me to think it's like you know what i miss that platform of being able to just share anything and everything that's on my mind and the thing is, is that on twitter i you know i'd built my platform and my engagement over the over time and if i go to twittercom eotc, that's my username over there I have 17.4 thousand people who follow me on Twitter. And by the way, that is not any purchased followers or anything like that. That is all organic growth. None of I never did any of those crazy things to try to get it to look like more people are connected to me than than they are. That I have those are all 17,000 uh people who have said, "Cliff, I I know who you are. I want to follow you." And that's pretty awesome. And back in the day, wow, the engagement. If I had a question, I could post it on Twitter. And within 60 seconds, I would have tons of responses, lots of engagement and stuff like that. But over the years, Twitter changed. And even how they describe who they are and what they want to be to people changed. And it's not. it wasn't so much a social network as much as it is an information and news channel. Uh, you know, it's, it, it, it wasn't something that I liked. I stopped using it for the most part, and I found that over time, the engagement on it went way, way down. I, with a much smaller audience on Facebook, I get 10 times, 15 times, maybe 20 or 30 times the amount of engagement that I, I do on Twitter. And back when I used to use Twitter a lot for real, authentic social media engagement, I had multiple Twitter accounts. I had my main Twitter account. And then I had like a, a I, th- I think it was like a Cliff Extreme account. And the Cliff Extreme account is where I would just be completely like off the wall with how much I was tweeting. I would I would tweet sometimes 10, 15, 25 times in a day. And it it was it was only for those who really wanted like a live stream of thought of the things that I'm thinking throughout my day. And I did that because I, I created a separate account for that because I didn't want to upset or uh, turn off any of the the you know thousands of people who are following my main account with the with this constant stream or barrage of ongoing tweets. Uh, that weren't all that valuable from an information standpoint. Well, uh, believe it or not, I had hundreds of people who followed that extreme account because they wanted that stream of consciousness. They, it's like, Cliff, give me the fire hose of what's going on in your head throughout your day. I, I love it. You know, I don't have to follow it all the time. I don't have to read everything. But I, I, I enjoy just seeing that stream from you. So I, I did that for a while, and I, w- I would go in spurts where I would... It, what we call microblog. It's called microblogging when you are giving regular status updates throughout the day. And so I, I was doing that for a while and then I stopped and I don't know why. And I just, eventually I grew out of Twitter. I, I stopped using it. You know, I, I still have all of these people and all this other stuff, but I just, the, I rarely used Twitter at all over the past 
I'd say 18 months, maybe even two years. And the only thing that I had been using it for was I would publish every now and then about thing going, things that I wanted to promote in my business or I would use it, well, th- that was pretty much it. Marketing, podcasting, A to Z and stuff like that and and maybe sending a link to a, the most recent episode of a podcast or something like that. But really very little for engagement, very little personalized, this is what's going on in my life kind of deal. That's what Twitter really started with, but it, it grew out of that and and I kind of said, okay, well, I'm, I'm not going to use it for that either. And I stopped using it because for me, social media is about being social. And Twitter stopped being that. Until recently, when I saw this, these, this string of quotes, it was kind of a micro blog update from Chris Brogan in those multiple streams of texts. And I'm like, I like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start doing it. And I figure, you know what? Here's the thing. I'm going to start microblogging, which is this random, you know, every now and then I'm just going to just blast off a ton of tweets throughout my day. And sometimes it's as, well, first of all, I've been deciding that I'm going to do it on my main channel, you know, the one with the 17,400 followers. So, and my thinking is that I'm not going to worry about people unfollowing me because I'm I'm tweeting too much because, well, I don't really get any engage. Okay, whoa, bad language there. I get so little engagement at all. <laughs> For those of you who are watching, taking advantage of my newsletter on a weekly basis, if you were, when you got to episode or week 22, I think it is, in my newsletter, you'll know why I stopped myself from saying, I don't get any engagement. No, that's not true. I get, I get plenty of engagement. I love the people that are that I'm engaging with. But the only engagement that I've been getting are people who would be okay with the the microblogging. And as far as anybody else, the the activity and engagement that I was getting on Twitter is so few and far between that if if those people decided to stop following me because I'm tweeting too much, then okay, I'm fine with that. But what I want to start doing is I want to start using this Twitter platform as a microblogging platform. And it literally is like, hey, I'm getting ready to head to the gym, slept in late today. Um, And it's like, hey, I had a good time at the gym. Just little random things. It's like, um, you know, having breakfast this morning. Twitter used to ask the question, hey, what are you doing? And basically, just random points throughout my day, I answer the question, what are you doing? And every now and then, I answer the question, what's on your mind? And that's what I'm sharing on Twitter in a micro-blogging fashion. And it kind of reminds me of what is so appealing about this stories functionality that started in Snapchat, that now Instagram has incorporated and Facebook has put into a bunch of other things that didn't take off. But these stories, they're, they're kind of micro-vlogging. Micro-vlogging in that it's video, Right. So you got these, but the thing is, the one thing I still never liked about Snapchat and I still never liked about Instagram stories is that after 24 hours, those things disappeared. And just earlier this summer, I went on a 110 mile bike ride and I I put that, I micro vlogged that in this Instagram story. And I had tons of people who were following me throughout that 110 mile bike ride and they enjoyed it. They were inspired. A lot of people went out and said, hey, I'm going to go out for a bike ride on my own. And, and you know, it got a lot of other people active and, and things like that. 
But because I didn't save that, or actually I do still have all the copies of all of those, but because I didn't didn't do anything with it, it disappeared after 24 hours and it has no ability to be there in the record of things that I've created as content. And I know that the question is like, okay, was the content really all that valuable? Every now and then there are things that I share in these micro vlog slash story updates that yeah, I think they'd be valuable to have in the archives. So the cool thing with Twitter is that, well, they don't disappear, they stay there. And the other thing that's really cool is that not everything has to be a video. Not everything has to be a 10 second video clip. You can actually type in 140 sec or 140 or less character text update in your story of what's going on in your day or your micro blog, if you will. And the other thing that's really cool, and I haven't really started to take advantage of this, although I do have another 100 mile bike ride coming up in about another week from now. And in that 100 mile bike ride, I'm not going to be putting it on my Instagram story, but I will be micro blogging my 100 mile ride on Twitter. And I could do text updates, just little tiny text updates of where I am and how far I've gone. Um, I can do photo updates as well, which of course you can do on Instagram stories, but hey, on Twitter they won't disappear. And not only that, but if I want to, I can do video updates in my micro blog on Twitter as well. And with my video updates, I can, and I think it's more acceptable to shoot the video horizontally instead of vertical video. Whereas on Instagram or, you know, if you're still using Snapchat, uh, those are, it's very much expected in the stories functionality, it's expected that you will use vertical video. But on Twitter, I think it is definitely, I, I think it's very worthwhile to, to shoot it horizontally. And of course, you can record locally on your phone and then upload those videos to your Twitter application. And the best part, you're not limited to 10 seconds, you're not limited to 15 seconds, but instead you can record up to a two minute video, and I think it actually could be two minutes, 20 seconds from what I read in the settings on Twitter. But I, but certainly a two minute video update if you want to, or up to two minutes, and you could shoot it horizontally on your phone and upload it in, in great HD quality, and yeah. So microblogging on Twitter, I'm doing it, I'm loving it, uh, and and so if you want to follow what's been going on through my days and stuff like that, I don't do it all day, every day. Some days I might have maybe only one or two tweets throughout the day, some days maybe none, but other days I may have 15 or 20 updates, or maybe during my 100 mile ride, uh, I may have you know as many as 20 to 50 updates that day. But the thing, I think that, oh, the cool thing I'll tell you is that I haven't had a ton of people stop following me as a result of doing this. In fact, I've seen a a very large increase in the number of followers as a result of my engagement starting to go up. It's still only a tenth of what it used to be on on Twitter, but still the, uh, the engagement is going up because people are engaging because I'm finally producing content again. And and so I'm I'm seeing I'm seeing the actual number of people follow me going up instead of dropping off. I'm sure some people have unfollowed me, but the reality is, is that Twitter, when you're following people, there's so much junk out there that's automated and all this other stuff. And by the way, I use 
uh, TweetBot 3 or something like that. I, I use the latest and newest version of TweetBot on my iPhone. And I have all these mute filters. So I mute all these apps that do automation. So if you use meet, you know, whatever Edgar and uh, co-schedule and buffer and all that other stuff, I have all of those server services muted so that when people I follow are follow, when they are tweeting with a scheduled service, I don't see any of those things on Twitter at all. The only thing I want to see on Twitter from the people that I follow are people who are there live actively engaging on the Twitter platform as as it's being put on there you know they're manually entering things and so that's how i have things set up and i follow very few people but i am using it as a micro vlogging or micro blogging platform and i'm enjoying it if you want to you can follow me i'm cliff eotc that's cliff encouraging others through content or if you're not easily offended it's also cliff encouraging others through christ but i'm not sitting there trying to uh, browbeat people with my faith, and I think you guys know me. So, Cliff EOTC on Twitter if you want to follow my micro blogging, vlogging adventures. All right. Okay, real quickly, some other things that I've been working on on my business. I, I want to get through these because I want to share this audio clip from Kay Copet, and I want to keep this podcast up on episode under an hour or so. Real fast, some thoughts about my email auto responders. I've been working on my newsletter. I, I'm on, I think, week 21, 22 now. A couple things have come up. Uh, first of all, I've been thinking about the fact that a lot of my content that I'm producing now on a production quality level, things look uh, so much better today as a result of upgrading my video gear that I talked about recently and and just, it, it, just my production quality of what I'm creating today is, it far exceeds what I did in the first 21 or 20 weeks of my of my newsletter. Now, the good news is that the, the actual quality of the content itself has not changed uh, so it's still stellar quality back then, but boy, the 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 look of the video and and stuff, the just the production value of what I'm doing is so much better. And it's like, ugh, but how do I go back and change all of those? And and eventually, I might. I'm thinking about it. In fact, I did find that uh, recently, I decided to delete. I think it was week ten. It was a post called Ten Tips for Greater Audio Engagement." And so for those of you who have been on the mailing list for more than 10 weeks, you already got that post. And I want to let you know, if you've been on my mailing list for more than 10 weeks, in week 24, I think, you're going to get the same content, the same outline as that post, but it's going to be titled, How to Connect with Your Audience. And while I'm using the same outline and it's the same set, the same exact 10 tips that I gave in week 10... The thing is, is I'm hoping that those who have already seen this will watch the new video that goes with how to connect with your audience because I had actually just used the keynote presentation for the 10 tips and recorded a quick 10-minute video and I did it, you know, I didn't have a live audience. I did it specifically creating it for the newsletter and I wanted to be brief and straight and to the point. But then I had a podcasting A to Z weekly group coaching call 
where one of my students asked me, it's like, Cliff, I noticed that some people, some podcasters have this ability to connect with their audience on a very deep level, and yet some fail to be able, it seems like they fail to be able to really connect with that audience. What what are some of the things that you can do? What are some tips for connecting and building relationships with your audience? And just the way the question was asked, I, I knew that the question was coming up, so I had the same outline, the same 10 tips, but boy, I shared it with greater enthusiasm. I shared different stories than I, well, actually, I shared a bunch of stories that never came up in the original video that I put in week 10 of the newsletter, and I shared it with such passion. It's like, man, how can I not share this? And so I, I had this inner debate. Do I actually put this, do I just replace this video in week 10 and only people who are new to the mailing list are gonna see it? But there were some things that I said in this new version that I really believe that if if people were to click to watch the video of how to connect with your audience, I think it's week 20. 23, 24, I can't remember which week it is that you get into the newsletter. But even if you saw the 10 tips before, if you watch the video, the video has new insights in it and new stories and some new things that I said that I didn't say before. And I think it makes it so much more valuable. So I decided to to delete episode or to de- delete epi- um, update 10 in the newsletter sequence. And I put it again later so that everybody on my mailing list will eventually get to it. I also deleted week number five. Some of you actually saw a post titled "Why or what I'm using for sound clips on my iPad. And I, that's one where I talked about iJingle, what I liked about iJingle, and I even shared a two, two, easy for me to say, a tutorial about how to use iJingle. Well, the thing is, is a couple weeks ago, I moved to a different platform. And so I deleted the week five post Currently, I do not have a tutorial or an update or anything on Soundboard Studio is what I'm using now, but I don't have anything on it yet written, but in a future update to my newsletter, I will be talking about the new SoundClips software that I'm using on my iPad called Soundboard Studio. Ah, anyway... I, I just got to tell you, I, regardless of the fact, the, the fact is, is that my newsletter and the autoresponder series, it is a massive success for my business. Uh, it, it has been incredible. In fact, in the future, I'm going to be talking about one of the greatest regrets I have in my online business journey and podcasting journey is that I didn't start a mailing list sooner. And not only just having a mailing list where I was collecting emails and and sending people random broadcasts, but more specifically, the fact that I wasn't sending regular, consistent updates to that mailing list using specifically an autoresponder sequence. So, wow, I, I yeah, more of that stuff coming in the future. I'm still in love with ConvertKit. ConvertKit has rocked my world, radically changed everything for me in a much better way way has helped me take so many things to the next level. If you're interested, my affiliate link is convert, it's podcastanswerman.com slash convert kit, all one word, podcastanswerman.com slash convert kit. And if you're not on my email newsletter, I'm telling you, this is not just any newsletter. Trust me, just, just sign up for your first week and I promise you, you'll understand why you want to be on my newsletter and stay on it. Podcastanswerman.com slash newsletter is where you sign up. 
And then um, also, real quickly, want to let you know that I have some new audio branding that I'm working on. This is one thing I've been kind of working on behind the scenes. But I wanted to just share with you just briefly the new music I picked out. So here it is. So there you go. Just a little tease there about the new music that I've picked out for my audio branding. I'm working with my friends Mike and Isabella Russell over at Music Radio Creative. They do all of the audio branding for me. Now, many of you know for the last year and a half, I have not used any audio branding at the front of my show. No music, no pre-scripted anything, but uh, that's about to change. Uh, Mike and Isabella are working on a wonderful package for me. Uh, By the way, head over to podcastanswerman.com slash audio if you want to get your own audio branding package. That is a very special deal that I've worked out with them. Again, podcastanswerman.com slash audio. That is an affiliate link, by the way. And also, just real quick, uh, my next level workshops. I want to tell you that uh, so far we have four people registered for the very first workshop here in the Next Level Studio. That's four people who are at the very early stages of building a business around their podcasting efforts. If you've ever had a dream of having your own online business that where you're literally doing the work that you love for a living as your full-time career, if, if, you, if you've been dreaming of that possibility, I would love to have you attend the next level workshop here called Creating an Online Business Around Your Podcasting Efforts. You can sign up over at podcastanswerman.com slash next level workshop. Things are coming together here. The, the training space, the training facility is all cleaned out. It's, it, the chairs are set up. The uh, conference tables that I've ordered are coming in. Things are really coming together, and I'm also engaging actively already in a private Facebook group with the four who are already signed up for the June 16th and 17th workshop that's happening right here in my Next Level Studio. You can learn more and register today at podcastanswerman.com slash studio. Over the years, I've had the privilege and honor of working with some pretty amazing people in helping them launch their podcasts. I mean, I sometimes will share the fact that I helped Pat Flynn get his podcasting journey started. I helped John Lee Dumas, Michael Stelzner, Amy Porterfield, Michael Hyatt, and I could name drop some pretty other significant names out there in the podcasting space, but... I sometimes hesitate in sharing that. Of course, I I put it on my podcasting A to Z sales page and they get prominent featured there because I I think that there's there's definitely a lot to be said about social proof and and being associated with people who have truly done amazing things as far as when it comes to levels of success with their podcasting journey. But I'll tell you there there are times when I think about my podcasting A to Z sales page and I think Maybe I shouldn't put those people at the top because there's a lot of testimonials of everyday, average, normal people out there who aren't necessarily at the top 50 of their category in iTunes, but are truly amazing people as well. And they might not have tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people who are subscribed to their podcast, but they have hundreds or maybe even a thousand or a few thousand people who are subscribed to their podcast and they are making a powerful 
and positive impact in the lives of people around the world. And while I consider it a privilege and honor to be a part of anyone's podcasting journey, there are some times that a student will come along that may never get the celebrity status of some of those other people I've named previously. But yet, I believe they need to be recognized in the podcasting community. And in this week's podcast, I want to give you a personal plug of the week. And it's a name that you may have heard me mention a lot lately. Her name is Kay Copit. Kay is 75 years old and was recently a part of one of my most recent sessions of Podcasting A to Z. I believe she was in session number 30 of Podcasting A to Z. And the reason why I love to talk about Kay Copit is because when it comes to people's technical skill levels, there's a lot of people who are afraid to get started in podcasting because they they feel like there's just no way that I could possibly grasp all the things that go into the technical side of creating a podcast. I have no idea what an RSS feed is. I, I don't know anything about setting up a website. I don't know anything about hooking up cables for different pieces of hardware equipment. And the idea and the concept of recording my voice and using software to edit and convert files to an MP3, that's just way too much for me. Not to mention the fact that on top of technical difficulties and skill level, there's the whole fear factor of putting your voice out there, putting your message out into the world. And when it comes to students who have struggled with all of those things and more, Kay Copet is a perfect example of somebody who, in facing all of the fear and all of the doubt and all of the technical challenges, at age 75, she's an example and a shining light of what you can accomplish if you just move forward through your fears and believing that you have a message that's valuable enough to go through all of the trouble to get started. Now, I'm going to play for you t- about 10 minutes of Kay Copet's ninth podcast episode. Yes, she has produced nine episodes since graduating podcasting A to Z. And in her podcast, it's called Get Inspired with Kay Copet. Kay basically shares on a weekly basis a story from her life experience of how she has grown and overcome so many things throughout her lifetime. And it's her hope that she can inspire and motivate and encourage other people to move forward through their challenges in life. And that's exactly what her podcast is about. Whether you agree with some of her spiritual philosophies or any of those things, it's not necessarily about that. But I am subscribed to Kay Copet's podcast because she is a perfect example of somebody who just gets behind the microphone and just starts telling stories about who she is, where she's been, where she's at now, what she's, uh, what obstacles she's faced in life, and how she's overcome them. That's the simple formula for an authentic approach to inspiring and encouraging and motivating others, to helping people make their lives better. And so I encourage you to just do a search in the Apple Podcast directory for Get Inspired with Kay Copet, K-A-Y-K-O-P-I-T. But I am going to share with you right now 
10 minutes of episode nine from her podcast. And yes, this is a bit self-serving. She says some very wonderful things about me, and she says some very wonderful things about her experience in my podcasting A to Z course. And I admit there is a little bit of motivation on my end to promote podcasting A to Z and, and how I come alongside each and every student. So I'm not going to try to say that there's no ulterior motive in me sharing this. But there is additional value beyond my own personal self-promotion and the promotion of podcasting A to Z. And for those of you who may never take podcasting A to Z, I believe that if you listen to these 10 minutes from Kay Copit, especially for those of you who have not yet got launched with your podcast because you're afraid of putting your voice out there, because you're afraid of your technical skill level and your inability to understand how it all works, I want to encourage you, actually, I want to let Kay encourage you right now with what's possible if you move forward through your fear. And without any further ado, here's the audio clip from Kay Kopit's ninth episode. Well, earlier in my life, I had been searching, I actually had been searching all of my life for happiness and how to have joy in my life. So I signed up for a class, and it was at a, a night class at La Jolla High School. It was in speech making, and I was always very petrified to speak in front of people. It was a big, big challenge for me, but I accepted it, and I went for it. When you go for something that scares you, when you have a fear and you overcome it, because the first one was really the worst one, the worst I've ever given. When you do that, something happens within you. It's a, a feeling of satisfaction, almost gratitude in a way, gratitude to God or to the universe or to whomever, that you were able to get through it and you can do it. And that started me on a journey of expressing myself verbally and also with my body. Because after that, I started acting. I, I went into acting. I went to a school called Stage Group Theater. It was in downtown San Francisco, That was a really fun experience, but also very, very scary because what I didn't know about acting is it it pulls from within your greatest fears. You have to do so many things as an actor. When you work up a part and when you live another person's life or you're it isn't just memorizing lines. It's becoming that character. Well, you have to pull from deep within, and it's very scary. And there, there are all kinds of spontaneity classes that you take which force you to speak in front of the whole class or in front of the people you're acting with. And it's kind of, it can be debilitating. But again, once you do that, 
you you have you feel like wow I was courage I was courageous, and it worked. Well, many years went by, and I I did not go into acting as a profession. I did it commercially for about ten years, but I didn't go into the theater or I didn't move to L.A. and try to get into the movies because I realized something about myself. I realized that I loved being on stage. I loved the actual, the creativity of producing or directing, but I really wasn't as enthralled with the acting because at the time, my whole life I was acting, I had this double life that I was leading, as I've talked about in other podcasts, and it wasn't that easy for me, or enjoyable, I'll say, for me to play another part because I was acting all day. I, I was living a double life and I was acting all day. So I moved on from that, and I spent years getting well. I've, I've talked about that before, too. And I actually was able to make a documentary, produce one, and write a book about all the adventures that I'd had with my ex-husband. And that was another form of expression for me. All communications and expressions, verbal expressions, artistic expressions, they're all what I feel like I came here to be and to do and to share. They're all challenging. But each one of them, as fearful as I was, I overcame the challenge and I went for it. What it, all of these things that I have learned over the years, because I'm now 75, what I've learned is that my greatest joy is in inspiring other people to find what their bliss is or what their happiness is and how they can go about finding it. I really feel empowered when I can share what I've been through and how I've grown and overcome and thereby inspiring someone else to do the same thing. One year ago, I started making videos for YouTube. But what I really wanted to do was not have to worry about sitting before the camera, putting on makeup, and being all parts of it. I just wanted to get up and talk and share what I'd been through because I feel that there's something about the voice, when you can be so intimate with people, when you can just, I can, I can come and talk in my pajamas if I want to. I don't have to be, have everything just perfect before the camera. But I didn't know how to do it. I knew that podcasts had come around several years ago. I'd been listening to them and I thought, but I, di I just didn't know how to go about it. I was guided to a wonderful man. His name is Cliff Ravenscraft. He is called the Podcast Answer Man, and he does consulting, he's a coach, and he makes wonderful podcasts himself. I took his class, 
podcasting A to Z. And it was fantastic. It was an intensive class, one month. I honestly, I feel like it was an advanced degree. It was very, very hard for me because I am a right brain person. I found this so challenging because the technical part of it, which it's all about the computer and how you can edit and how you, where you make your podcast go, how you get it online, all this. This was so hard for me. And it has nothing to do with the way he taught. I have never had such a fabulous instructor in all my life. And I've have, I have advanced degrees. I've never had a, an instructor like this. He covered every single thing about podcasting, why you want to do it, who it reaches, how you put them together, how exciting it is to be a part of this world. And I loved every bit of that. And when we got near the end, right near, we were all, we we were, we had assignments. You know, we were told what we were, we needed to do for the week, and then we had assignments. We were very near the end of the month, and I had done several things correctly, and it got near the end, and I was panicked out of my mind because it was so technical and overwhelming for me. I mean, literally, I cried at least three nights. And I remember writing Cliff, telling him the last week, the last f- maybe three days before the end, I said, Cliff, you're not going to want to hear this, but I, don't, I think I'm going to be the first student that isn't going to make it, that I'm not going to get be able to, to do a podcast. And he was so kind, and he just, he said, call me at a certain time, we made a date, and he went through everything one by one, and he helped me, and he did it. It was fabulous. I, I just can't tell you how much that meant to me. And I, I learned from this. I learned a great deal that I am now doing what I came here to do and be, and that's sharing my life stories I know they're helping people because they're writing me about it and they're thanking me. And that's what I think we all came here to do is work and share together. If you want to find your happiness, find your true joy in life, I feel personally it's facing your greatest fears and turning them into the motivation that you will need. It's not hard. Once you have the courage to face what is scaring you the most, you know what it is. I believe it. I do believe it. Unless you're into such complete denial that you just don't feel anything. And I find that hard to believe. Most people do. They just get so petrified. They're, They're frozen. Well, I've lived a life, a lifetime of challenges and many, 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 many tragedies that I've overcome. And I can tell you that it is worth every bit of it to hang in there and end up being in the place that I'm able to be right now, and that's living my life of bliss. Well, there you go, my friends. I told you, Kay Copet is amazing. It, again, when I think about the people that I've been blessed 
with the honor and privilege of helping them get started in their podcasting journey. I got to tell you, Kay Copet is right up there among the top, along with all of the other very popular people out there that most people know. And it's my hope that more and more people will know Kay Copet because she's an amazing person. A couple things she said, listen to this. She says, my greatest joy is in inspiring other people to find what their bliss is. She said, I feel empowered when I share what I've been through and how I've grown. And then she says, and I'm now doing what I came here to do and be. The reason why I feel like I connect so deeply with Kay Copet and her experience launching into a podcast is because all three of those things that she said right there, those are exactly how I feel about what my own podcasting journey has brought forth in my life. That my greatest joy and even my purpose in life is to be a source of entertainment, education, encouragement, and inspiration. That I want to be able to share my experiences of what I've learned, what I've grown through in an effort to use that and share that so that other people can become more of who they were created to be. And yes, it is, it's not that I came to this earth and that I was created for the purpose of creating a podcast, but it is through my own podcasting journey that I fully gained clarity on what my own mission and purpose in life is. So, wow. I hope you guys will check it out. Get inspired with Kay Copet. My friends, I'm, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. And I just want to say a couple things. My next session of podcasting A to Z is coming up on July 10th. Of course, this is your opportunity to have me as your personal coach for four weeks, walking you through every single step in the process. No matter what your skill level is, I can help you. I will assure you that if it is your goal to have a podcast by the end of that course, you will have one. And it literally is direct access to me as your coach for four full weeks. I encourage you to go ahead and get registered today at podcastinga2z.com. And also want to remind you guys that my very first Next Level workshop being hosted here in the Next Level studio is coming up on June 16th and 17th. This is for those of you who are looking to build or grow an online business around your podcasting efforts. Not necessarily to make all of your income and to create a career where you can just sit behind a microphone and the podcast brings in all the income, but instead, this is for those of you who wanna do kind of what I've done and a lot of other folks have done, where because of the audience and the attention that you've gained from the folks that are listening to you on a consistent basis through your podcast, What kind of products and services, based upon your experience, what you are great at, the work that you love to do, what kind of products and services that you can offer to those people that will help you make a full-time career out of the work that you love to do? If you are in the early stages or even the very beginning stages of wanting to create an online business around your podcasting efforts, I encourage you to come join us for this workshop here in the Next Level Studio on June 16th and 17th. You can register for that at podcastanswerman.com slash workshop. 
And with that, my friends, thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, I encourage you to take everything you do to the next level. Podcast at Samantha.